0: Welcome to the Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. Today's message was originally preached on Sunday, February 28th by Pastor Dave Lee. This is the ninth sermon in our 2021 Winter Sermon Series entitled, The Joy of the Lord, the Book of Philippians. Check out SardisFellowship.com for more information about our church. It's been a year and a half since I last spoke to you here at Sardis Fellowship, and what a privilege it is to be able to share God's Word with you once again. I want to thank pastor rod for that opportunity but i also want to thank him and the whole leadership at sardis fellowship for the honor of becoming pastor emeritus we are so thankful to god for this church we love this church and we're so thankful that we can still be part of this congregation into the future it's a real blessing you know to have this kind of a meaningful connection with a church that you've been part of for so long A verse that has been on my mind ever since I completed my time here as the lead pastor is Philippians 3.3 and this is a paraphrase. We serve God by his spirit. We boast in Christ Jesus and we put no confidence in the flesh. That to me encapsulates how I view the time that I had with you here as your lead pastor. We serve God by his spirit, we boast in Christ Jesus, and we put no confidence in the flesh. And that means all glory be to God alone. Em and I look forward to continued service with you here in whatever ways we can be of help. And you know, a lot of you may not know this, but ever since March of 2020, M and I have been attending Sardis Fellowship. <laughs> online, like all the rest of you. Uh, It's part of our Sunday morning routine. So Sardis Fellowship is greatly ingrained into our hearts, and this makes this honor all the more meaningful. This is our church, so thank you. And our prayer is that God will continue to bless Sardis Fellowship, the people of Sardis Fellowship, the leadership of this church, so that we might be used by God to be a visible presence in our community. This whole online experience reminds me of when I was a youth pastor in Toronto. I once uh, distributed pens and papers to the students and said, okay, I want you to draw me a picture of our church. And they then drew diagrams that looked like our church building. Of course, it was a trick question. I didn't mean for them to draw our church building, but I kind of led them that direction. Think about how we talk about the church. We say, meet you at the church, or I'm going to church this morning, or church was good today. What are we saying? We're saying something about a building and a service in that building, or the activities in the service, like singing, preaching, and prayer. But COVID has caused us to pause and to rethink what we mean by church. During COVID again and again, pastors are saying, we may not be gathered together under one roof this morning, but the church is alive and well, and it's true. Why is it true? Because the church is the people of God made alive by the spirit pursuing the mission of Christ. That's a definition from a Bible scholar named uh, Craig Van Van Gelder. And that's why it's true, because the church is the people of God, and we are made alive by the Spirit, and we are pursuing the mission of Christ. It's not simply a gathering in a building at 10 a.m. Sunday morning with singing, preaching, and prayer. Despite this being true, I know that this is not what we prefer. I don't prefer online church. I endure it more than prefer it. I'm sure that's true for 90% of us. Do I ever look forward to us being able to gather again here and fill this empty building? Let me be clear. I 100% accept this as a temporary necessity and strongly support the leadership of Sardis Fellowship as they follow BC health guidelines. Even so, I can't wait to meet with all of you again. And I look forward to teaching a seminar series on lamentations that was uh, was cancelled back in November. There are lots of ways in which we're not enjoying ourselves right now, like not being able to gather with our family and friends, for starters, and the loneliness that accompanies that. And what about those facing business and employment-related crises? So here's the question that I have for us today. Is it possible to have joy even when you're not enjoying yourself? What do you think? Well, the Apostle Paul seems to think so. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. To reinforce it, he says, I will say it again, rejoice. That's Philippians 4 verse 4, and that's my text this morning. And it teaches that it is possible to have joy even when we're not enjoying ourselves. One of my favorite Bible college professors and important mentors in my life was Les Tar, who is now with the Lord. Les spoke on this text when I was a college student, and his theme was this, what you should do when you feel like complaining. So what should you do when you feel like complaining? Or is it possible to have joy even when you're not enjoying yourself? It brings to mind a kind of psalm that you find in the Bible. They're called laments. The laments are honest confessions. They openly confess what we sometimes feel, yet may be afraid to admit. They are the reflections of real people experiencing real life. Sometimes they're called complaining psalms, and if you read a few of them, you will quickly see why. For example, Psalm 42 and 43, with the repeated refrain, "'Why are you downcast, O my soul?' why so disturbed within me there are times when we need to lament when we feel disturbed like right now nothing is normal right now and we can get tired of it for example it's awkward visiting my 95 year old dad many of you will know him because he's a member of our church He's living at Menno Place in independent living in Abbotsford. M and I are his two designated visitors. We have to be ultra careful when we visit not to cause him or anyone else in the facility any harm. And we're so thankful that he should get his vac- vaccination in the next couple of weeks. So during the week we take extra precautions to stay, to stay safe and healthy. When we arrive at Menno Place, We follow all the proper protocols, like sanitizing our hands and his groceries. We wear a mask, we adhere to safe distancing, and we have no actual physical contact with him. But we take these precautions gladly. Why? Because we want to keep him and the other residents safe. It's awkward. It's unnatural. It's even, honestly, stressful, but necessary. Given the world that we live in right now with this pandemic, any of us at any time may feel like complaining. And that's why the laments are in the Bible. Remember that God intentionally includes them in his word. These are inspired words intended to speak into the lives of people like us. Because God knows we experience the same kinds of things as those who wrote them. There are times in our lives where there is no end in sight and God isn't instantly resolving our problems or or removing our worries. On February 28, 2021, we may feel like complaining. So, can we have joy when we're not enjoying ourselves? If you've been following the sermon series thus far, you know that there were a lot of things going wrong for the Apostle Paul when he wrote Philippians, and he might have felt like complaining. He may have felt like complaining because he was in jail. More than that, he may have been facing a death sentence. I'm pretty sure he's experiencing loneliness. There are a few little hints in the letter. And to this, add one more thing. Rival preachers are establishing their own dynasties while he's out of the loop. He talks about it back in chapter 1 15 to 18 he says some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry but others out of goodwill now about those who preach out of envy and rivalry he says they preach out of selfish ambition not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while i am in chains i mean really they're intentionally trying to stir up trouble for him while he's in jail I mean who are these people yet he says I rejoice because at least the gospel is being preached their motives are wrong they are motivated by self-serving ambition but still they preach the truth so he's in jail facing serious charges possible death loneliness and to make things worse Preachers are taking advantage of his absence to set up their own rival ministries, and he rejoices. When he says, rejoice in the Lord always, he's not writing from a holiday resort in the Mediterranean. He's speaking as one who has every reason to complain but doesn't. In my translation, he uses the word joy or rejoice 10 times in this short letter. Let me make three observations about Philippians 4-4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. First, rejoicing is a command, not a suggestion. We need to intentionally pursue this. Second, rejoicing is always not sometimes and third rejoicing is in the Lord now that's a key idea that we're going to explore together rejoicing is in the Lord not in our circumstances these are important things to remember as we unpack this text rejoicing is a command it's always and it's in the Lord Paul then gives us two important instructions about how to do this. I mean, how to rejoice. The first has to do with our relationships with other people, and the second, our relationship with God through prayer. So let me read on. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Gentleness. Paul uses this word in 1 Timothy 3.3 as the opposite of quarrelsome. So rather than being quarrelsome, be patient and kind. So at a time when we face challenging circumstances and our nerves get frayed and we can't take any nonsense. Are you with me? Have you ever felt that way? You know that proverbial straw that broke the camel's back? So when you're facing challenging circumstances and your nerves are frayed and you can't take any nonsense, Paul says, be kind and patient rather than quarrelsome. And then he reminds us of of something that is so important. The Lord is near. When we feel frustrated, it's so helpful to remember that the Lord is close at hand And by that, do we not mean that God is present and God is at work in everyday life? In other words, being conscious of God's presence and power while facing situations that cause us to get impatient and quarrelsome, that consciousness and that reliance helps us to stand in love and gentleness. And that leads us naturally to the next thing. THE LORD IS NEAR. DO NOT BE ANXIOUS ABOUT ANYTHING. BUT IN EVERY SITUATION, BY PRAYER AND PETITION WITH THANKSGIVING, PRESENT YOUR REQUESTS TO GOD. AND THE PEACE OF GOD, WHICH TRANSCENDS ALL UNDERSTANDING, WILL GUARD YOUR HEARTS AND YOUR MINDS IN CHRIST JESUS. THAT'S WHAT WE NEED TO DO WHEN WE ARE FACING TRYING CIRCUMSTANCES. So what do you do when you're getting stressed out with pressures and conflicts and your patience is frayed and anxiety is setting in? You remember the Lord is near and you pray. We bring our anxieties to God who is always near and we receive back from him his peace. Okay, let's observe what he says here. Bring your request to God with prayer and petition. Prayer and petition, he repeats two words. And these two words in combination add strength to the kind of prayer that we pray. I think you could summarize it as focused, earnest requests brought before God. Bring your focused, earnest requests to God. Not just focused and earnest, but also with thanksgiving. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Even as we earnestly pray for those things that cause us pain and anxiety, we express our gratitude to God. That is, we rejoice in the Lord. So we're facing COVID and all kinds of other more normal challenges as well. And we're feeling stressed and frayed and anxious and we bring our anxieties to God in earnest prayer with gratitude to him and he grants us his peace i thank God for this ever since hearing that sermon by my bible college professor so many years ago this promise has kept me alive i needed this message you know what i did I memorized this passage. I, I absorb these words to help me gain perspective during times of intense discouragement and anxiety. I, I encourage you to do the same. Just take these words and commit them to your heart and repeat them when you need to remember them in every anxiety-producing situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God. I give my anxieties to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I receive back his peace. Now, Paul's not advocating some kind of state of denial where we thank God for horrible things. He's most certainly not in some state of hyper spirituality that makes light of human suffering. No, he's facing trying circumstances himself. He's not saying enjoy each and everything that happens to you. In fact, Paul is honest and open about his own anxieties. Yes, his anxieties. He says don't be anxious about anything Yet he admits he too faces anxiety. Where, you might ask? Well, earlier in this letter. When he speaks of his concern for his friend Epaphroditus, he says, I am sending him to you so that I may have less anxiety. Yes, that's what he says. And that's an admission of having some anxiety. Let me go back and review the situation Pastor Rod spoke on this a couple of weeks ago. Epaphroditus is a representative from the Philippian church who came with a special offering for Paul's support. On the journey, or after he arrived in Rome, Epaphroditus becomes ill, so much so that it almost killed him. You can see how this impacted Paul. This is in chapter 2, verse 27 and 28. Indeed, he was ill and almost died but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. I find this text amazing, because Paul here expresses his human side. He's not the invincible apostle Paul, who can't be touched by human tragedy. No, he's just the ordinary guy, Apostle Paul, worried about a friend. Those of us who have anxiously attended someone you love will readily identify with his feelings. Paul does not trivialize his friend's illness, nor does he adopt some kind of hyper-spiritual attitude that cannot experience grief. He agonizes over this. He also finds reasons for joy. First, that Epaphroditus has recovered, and second, he applauds his sacrifice and commitment. We're just like Paul. The circumstances of our lives can cause us pain, grief, and anxiety. Our Christian faith does not shield us from these appropriate feelings any more than Christian faith prevents us from breaking an ankle playing soccer. This happened to me in high school and it hurt. We're not more spiritual if we can somehow rise above it all and not let troublesome things bother us. Paul doesn't tell us to rejoice in our anxiety producing circumstances. Instead, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Keep your joy Godward. We can find joy even when we aren't enjoying ourselves. When with the eyes of faith, we look for the hand of God at work in every situation and trust him. We can find peace, even when we're not enjoying ourselves. When with the eyes of faith, we look for the hand of God at work in every situation and trust him. In other words, joy is really an extension of faith. Now, I've learned this many times. Here's what I mean. I'm going to give one example. Early in my ministry, this is like a whole lot of years ago, I became anxious and discouraged. Em and I went away on vacation burned out. It was that I'm afraid and can't take any more nonsense thing I was talking about earlier. And while we were away, we prayed trusting God. And God was at work even while we were away. His hand was at work in that situation. This led to one of the times of greatest spiritual renewal for me as I learned to walk with God, seek his strength, and watch to see what he was doing. In other words, faith led me into rejoicing in the Lord and into his peace. And I have experienced that many times in my life. That's exactly what Paul did, is it not? He's thrown into a miserable jail where he's undoubtedly miserable. But he rejoices because God gives him a new audience for the gospel, an unreached people group, his prison guards. While he's in jail, a group of self-serving preachers grab leadership, and he rejoices. Well, he says, at least the gospel is being preached, even if for the wrong motives. And he suffers alongside his friend who is sick. But he rejoices in his friend's recovery and sacrifice for the gospel. You see what I mean? He looks for the hand of God even in distressing and disappointing circumstances. He's trained his mind and his heart to be guided by a faith that looks below the surface of things. He trusts that in every circumstance in life, no matter how dark, God is there and God is at work. That's why he says, and this that I'm about to read, which is Philippians 4, 8, and 9, this comes from the deep well of wisdom he has gained. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Can we experience joy when we're not enjoying ourselves? Can we experience peace when we're not enjoying ourselves? Yes, Paul says, yes, yes, yes. But there are things that we need to learn. So with God's help, one, we need to learn patience and kindness toward others when we feel afraid. Two, we need to learn to express earnest prayer with thanksgiving toward God when we feel anxious. And three, we need to learn to walk in faith, striving to see good, and in particular the goodness of God, when we need peace. And that's how we learn to rejoice in the Lord always. And one last thought, always is forever. Most certainly, this is what we have to look forward to for all of eternity, is the peace and the joy of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, as we face uncertainties and challenges and hardships, that steal away our joy, help us to rejoice in the Lord always, enable us to learn the lessons of this text so as to grow in your joy and peace. And thank you that through the sacrificial death of Jesus, we have access to your peace now and forever. Amen. Thank you so much for your kind attention today, and I have a question for you to consider as a follow-up to this sermon. The question is in two parts. Paul teaches we can rejoice in the Lord always. This means we need to learn, one, to show patience and kindness toward others, two, to express earnest prayer with thanksgiving to God, and three, to walk in faith, seeing that which is good, in particular, the goodness of God. So here's the question. Part one, how is God teaching you to rejoice in him? And part two, how are you growing in each of these areas? Thanks for listening to the Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. For more information on Sardis Fellowship, please check out sardisfellowship.com.